So every day at VBC, I get to tell bad jokes. It's one of the highlights each day, so you get to hear some bad jokes to start us off. All right, here we go. What do narwhals like to eat? First off, does anybody know what a narwhal is? It's a whale with a horn. All right. So what do they like to eat? They like to eat burritos. I told you, it was a bad joke. All right. If your husky gets cold, what do you call him? Close. Close. Who said chili? That's close. A chili dog. Yeah. There we go. All right. So if you're here this week, you'll get to hear more, lots more where that comes from. I don't write the jokes. They come with the curriculum. All right. Also, we get to tell the kids some interesting pieces of information about the Arctic animals and about the Arctic itself. So did you know that glaciers store about 75% of the world's fresh water? Did you know that? I did not. Now you do. All right. The water in the Arctic Ocean is cold enough to freeze a person in a matter of minutes. So don't go swimming there. Okay. All right, so this week at VBC, the connection, the Arctic cold connection is that we are exploring the coolest book on the planet. Okay? We are exploring the coolest book on the planet, which is, of course, let me hold it right set up, the Bible. Okay? So we want to show the kids that the Bible is the Word of God, that the Bible contains everything we need for life and godliness, and that God has given us His Word, the Word of God. And it's, it's a remarkable thing that the God of the universe who created all of this has given us his word. So we want the kids to recognize this. My hope is that this morning you will be encouraged and reminded of how amazing the Bible is and be encouraged uh, to read it, to enjoy it, to be excited about it. Uh, and so what we want to be teaching the kids, as we said, that he has given us in his word everything that we need for life and godliness. It's got everything in there. Okay? So we want to... We're going to share a little acronym with the kids this week, to spelling Bible, B-I-B-L-E. So first, we get to see that it is the book of books, that it is unlike any other book in the world, that it is the best-selling book every year for a good reason, and that it is the one and only book that we ever need, that we need to care the most about because God is the author of this book. And we want to talk about how the Bible has had an incredible impact, and just like the Arctic hare, can change from a light color to a dark color depending on the season, that the Bible will change our lives. And it has changed the lives of countless people and has changed the world. We want to talk about the incredible impact of the Bible. We want to talk about how the Bible is the bedrock base foundation for our lives, that unlike the Arctic, which doesn't actually have any ground underneath of it, it's just shifting all over the place, we have a solid foundation to base our lives on. We want to talk about how the Bible is a love letter from God. That's our L a love letter from God, and that just like the muskoxen care for their young by making a circle around them to protect the little ones, that we have a loving God who will care for us even more than a muskox cares for its young. And we want to learn that it is exciting to explore, that when we look to the Bible, we can find life and that it's not just a boring old book, that it's an exciting book, that no matter what question we have, we can come to God's word and we can find the answer, and he will speak to us directly through his book that he has given us. So that's what we want to see, the B-I-B-L-E. And so hopefully having the acronym will help the kids remember that and be excited about it. So we know that the word of God 
is living and active. Even though it's been written down the same as we have it for years and years and years and years, it's alive. And that God is still speaking through his book. And so one of the fun things that we're going to do this week is that I've asked all of the gracious leaders uh, to share with the kids an example from their life of how the Bible has been living and active and talk about what is your favorite Bible verse and how has that verse impacted your life. And so that, I think that'll be really neat for the kids to get some personal stories of how the Bible is alive and active in the lives of the, the leaders that we're interacting with. All right, so I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about um, why it is that we know that we can trust in the Bible and that what it says is true. And because that's, that's where we start. That's the foundation, like we said, of, of where we're at, that we have the Word of God and we know that we can trust it. And the biggest reason that we know that we can trust it is because we know who wrote it. And we know that the one who wrote it is trustworthy. So that's, that's it. So we, what we need to understand then is how do we know that that's true and why can we trust that, that it's true? So we know that, and this is our, our first Bible verse that we're in this week is 1 Timothy 3.16, or sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God, that it comes directly from God. So we know that the Bible itself says who wrote it. So even though there are different people that God used through the process over a period of over 1,500 years. At least 40 different people were involved in writing the Bible. God was the one who was inspiring everything that they wrote. So we know that God is the author. And so the question that we need to then address is, we know that it says it. Does, it, does what it says that God wrote it, is that consistent with what we read? And when we see that, yes, it is consistent, then we know that we can trust that since God wrote it, we can trust everything that it says. Okay? So all scripture comes directly from God. Now, Jesus is the key piece of the puzzle to understand that, yes, we can trust when the Bible says that God wrote it, we can trust that it says that. And we have in Jesus that as he was going through his ministry, he quoted the Old Testament all the time. He used the Old Testament. He said that the Old Testament was from God. And so we have Jesus' stamp of approval to say that the Old Testament is from God. And we have Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit, the advocate whom the Father will send in his name, will teach us all things and remind them of everything that he said to them. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples and all the things that they ended up recording for us in the Bible. We have Jesus' promise that the Holy Spirit will guide them and remind them of everything that he said so that we know that when they recorded it, that they knew what they were recording because the Holy Spirit was the one recording it. And we have Peter telling us in Second Peter that prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we have Peter affirming Paul's writing as well, that just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain the things that are hard to stand, which ignorant people, ignorant, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own description. So we have Peter's confirmation that Paul as well is speaking from the Holy Spirit. So we have it locked down in there 
in its own testimony that everything comes from God. And then we can look at the Bible, and though even as I said, that it was written over a period of over 1,500 years by 40 different people, that it has one consistent, clear, coherent message through the whole thing, which could not happen on its own. So that is an affirmation that the Bible's claim that it came from God, that everything was God, the whole process was guided by the Holy Spirit, is affirmed in the fact that we can see from the whole thing, from the beginning of then, that it's all actually talking about Jesus and God's plan to send Jesus to save us. That it all goes in there. And we have God's very own claim, which is unlike any other claim of any other religion, that there's nothing that we can do ourselves that Jesus has done it for us. And that's an amazing claim. And when we hear that, we need to go and explore that and, and take it and look at the Bible. And we can then see that the Bible is completely reliable in everything that it says. That even though for thousands of years people have been trying to prove it wrong, they haven't been able to. And every time somebody discovers some new facts about things that the Bible talks about, again and again and again and again, we see that what the Bible said is true. And we see that the Bible is consistent in everything that it says. And even talking about things, uh, things like current in the ocean was discovered because somebody read in the Psalms that there was a reference to paths in the sea. And they knew that God had said that and that it was true. So they went out and that's how they discovered the, the ocean currents because God's word is true and reliable in everything that it says. All right. What's the next slide there? All right. And the other remarkable thing about the Bible is the, all the examples that we can see where God said, this is going to happen, and then it happened. And then God said, this is going to happen, and it happened. And hundreds of years, and my, my favorite example is the case of King Cyrus in Persia, who is the one that let the Israelites go back from their exile. And he issued a decree to say that they could go back. And Isaiah mentioned Cyrus by name hundreds of years earlier that he would do that. So that's, that's my favorite example because it mentions him by name. So we can see that the Bible is consistent, reliable, and verifiable in everything that it says. And so when it says that God wrote it, we can believe that. When it says that Jesus did all these amazing miracles, we can believe that. And when it says that Jesus is the one that we need to save us, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, we can believe that. And when it says that he died, and more importantly, or equally as importantly, he rose again, we can believe that. In the Bible, we have an overwhelming amount of copies of the Bible, which show basically no variation because they set up a perfect system to make sure that they copied it perfectly over and over and over and over again. And we have thousands of copies of all the of different manuscripts which all confirm each other. And then uh, most of you, I'm sure, have heard about the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which had been perfectly preserved in the, in the jars in the cave. And then it showed perfect copies of everything that we'd already seen to show that there is... Nothing has changed. We have the very word, and we have an overwhelming amount of it. When you compare that to other ancient documents, like Plato and things like that, it's tens and twenties and hundreds of times of the amounts of copies that we have of it, and, we know, and they're perfect every time. And nobody ever questions any of those other things. And so there's even less reason to question the Bible. We know that we've got it. We've got what God's word says from a 
historical standpoint, there's no reason to question what it says because it has proven itself over and over and over and over and over again. All right. And the, the last important point to, to see is that the Bible is the world's only explanation for why the world is the way that it is. Why we have morals and why the world works the way that it is. Without the God of the Bible, it just, the world doesn't make sense. And when people try to figure it out without him, it just doesn't work. But everything, no matter what it is, when we look to the Bible, we see exactly how it is and why it is. So we can always go there and see that, yes, this is it. This is the word of God. So we need to be excited that we have the very words of God. And so when, when we get excited about something, we look and we'll start talking faster and we'll get really excited and we can go on and on and on about whatever it is that you're most excited about, whether it's sports or knitting or books that you read or TV shows, whatever it might be. When you get talking about something you're really excited about, somebody can tell. And want to take a couple minutes to talk about the longest chapter in the Bible. Who can tell me what that is? What's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119. It's not even close. 176 verses. The second longest is only 89. Okay? It's not even close. Now, who knows what Psalm 119 is all about? It's got, it's about 176 verses about one topic. Does anybody know what that topic is? The Bible. Psalm 119 is 176 verses of David going on and on and on and on and get really, 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 really excited about how amazing... God's word is. He couldn't help it. He just kept going on and on and on and on. 176 verses. Now, Psalm 119 is actually set up as an acrostic. I'm not sure if you knew that. There are 176 verses, which is eight verses, which each in the Hebrew start with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the next eight verses start with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet and so on. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Eight times 22, we got our 176 verses. So not only was he so excited about it that he kept going on and on and on, he took the time to frame it in this beautiful way uh, to have that make it easier to remember and easier to learn. Of course, that doesn't come through when you translate it in English, but it's pretty remarkable. So, all right, I think we missed, go back one, what was the last slide? Okay, go forward then. It's all right. All right. Go forward. All right, go forward. I want to show you some of the things. There we go. Here we go. One more. There we go. I want to show you some of the things. Uh, Of course, it's 176 verses. I was charting it out, all the things that David was saying in there. It took me both sides of the piece of paper to get half of them. Of all the things that, that... David was saying, and David was getting excited about about God's word and that we have it. Uh, So here's just a few of them for you, that he was excited that we need to be learning it, proclaiming it, rejoicing in it, seeking it, meditating on it, that it gives us blessing, it gives us purity, it gives us hope, it gives us strength, it opens our eyes, gives us our knowledge, our wisdom, our direction, our light. And we see how David saw it. And this is where I want to challenge us, I want to encourage us that Do we see God's word? Do we reflect on it 
Does it impact us? Are we as excited about it as David was? He called it sweeter than honey, more precious than thousands of pieces of gold or silver. He pants for it seven times a day. He would give praise for it. He'd wake up at midnight to give thanks for God's word. Those are some of the things that David says in Psalm 119 about how excited he was about the fact that we have God's word. The word of God, the creator of the universe, took the time to speak to us. And David was excited about it. So I want each of us to be excited about it and to remember that it's a living, it's alive, it's exciting. That it has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I think I got one more slide up there. All right, so this, this one sums up how David feels about it. And this is another one of our Bible verses this week. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Okay? All right, so I think I got one more. All right, so in John chapter 6, Jesus was talking about how he's the bread of life. Jesus was talking about how you need to eat his flesh and that kind of thing. And then it goes on to say that this was a very hard teaching and a lot of people didn't understand it and so a lot of people walked away at that point in time. And Jesus said to the disciples, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So that's, that's what I want to leave you with. Where we have, there's nowhere else for us to turn. We have a verifiably trustworthy account of everything that God has done for us, everything God wants to do for us, of how much God loves us, that has all the answers to everything that we need. Where else would we turn? We have the very words of God. Let's be excited about it. Let's learn it. Let's love it. Let's live it. Dear God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that it is living and active. I pray that it would be alive and active in each one of us, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow in us, leading us and guiding us. I pray that we would hide it in our heart. I pray that it would be the light for our path. I pray that we would be excited about your word, that we would turn to it often, and that as we do, you would refresh us and build us, give us hope, give us life, give us strength, give us energy, and that we would be excited to have your word. And I pray that each one of us would never turn from you, not to the left or to the right, not turn from your word. You have given us the words of eternal life. I pray that Jesus would be Lord of our lives, that we would turn to him in repentance, seek him for forgiveness, and then allow you to make us new, to live the life that you have called us to in your word. Thank you for your word. We pray that you'll guide us through this week at VBC, that all the kids will be excited about your word too. We pray that you'll bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for being here and joining us. And if you're going to be able to help tomorrow, it'd be great if we could take a few minutes to sort that out a little bit. And if you don't have anywhere to rush off to be, we're going to be shuffling the chairs around a bit too. So I wouldn't mind a hand with that as well. So thank you. God bless this week. Enjoy July. <laughs>